Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is a Dude Studios production. And hey, I'm the Dude. Country Wine and Spirits is the number one online source for wine and spirits, offering over 3,000 products. You won't find a better selection of spirits and wines anywhere else. You can order everything from the most popular brands to some brands out there that you may not know of, but you should definitely try. They also have gift boxes for those special occasions that are coming up. To check out Country Wine and Spirits and go find that perfect spirit for yourself, go to cwspirits.com. And when you check out, use coupon code HEYBARTENDER5 and get 5% off your entire order. That's cwspirits.com, coupon code HEYBARTENDER5 for 5% off. Hey guys, it's Olivia Cancelli with the CW Spirits team and you're listening to the Hey Bartender podcast. Hey bartender, pass me a drink. The reason that I'm here is I need time to think. All the ways of the world have really got Olivia, thank you so much for joining Hey Bartender Podcast. How are you doing today? Thank you. I'm doing great. So glad to be here. Where are you from? Originally Cleveland, Ohio, but I'm currently living in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, go from are you Indians fan or are you a uh, Yankees or Mets fan? And... Well, I guess Indians my whole life because you know that was where I was and that was what my dad was repping. But all of a sudden he started claiming he's always been a Yankees fan. Oh, so okay. We're Yankees fans now, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> he's claimed that's the way it always was, but. Well, okay. You know, we'll take his word for it. Uh, basically, all I know about uh, uh, the Cleveland Indians is the movie Major League, one of my favorite m- movies of all time. But uh, <laughs> Yes, you made me watch that a few too many times as a kid. But, uh, no, <laughs> Cleveland's great. I love it. It's got good sports. It's really up and coming. I love to, to call it home, but I'll probably not leave New York. It's, yeah. it's my home for now, I think. Well, Brooklyn's uh, Brooklyn's pretty cool from what I've been told. I've interviewed quite a few uh, bartenders and servers from that area. Yeah, for sure. I think the service industry is one of the backbones of New York City, for sure. Um, Almost everyone I know is either a bartender or server or has been in the past. It's very rare that you you run into people that haven't. Well, it goes a lot. Well, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But uh, officially, to start off the show, I usually ask my guests. uh, Well, you said you weren't a bartender, but you've been working. uh, You're an affiliate with Country Wine and Spirits. And you said you would have a drink special for us today. Okay, perfect. So I don't have a name for this drink, but it has been my go-to. And yes, I'm not a bartender, so I bet some of these people are going to laugh at me. But um, I love peach vodka, specifically Wild Roots. I think Wild Roots is the best vodka ever made. Um, I believe there's a pound of peach in every bottle, and it's just not overly sweet. It's delicious. It's my favorite. Um, so I do a little bit of that, a little bit of triple sack, and a little bit of lemon juice, and then shake it, top it off with soda. And I don't know exactly what the drink would be, um, but it's a delicious, 
sweet and fruity peach vodka soda, and I love it. Yeah, this that sounds interesting. You got your the sweetness of the peach, but the the triple sec does that add a little bit of tart to it at the same time? Yeah, I think so. And I really like anything that's that's sweet and tart. And then the lemon too, of course, very mm. tangy. So I think um, it kind of balances it really well because that that peach vodka is really sweet, but um, it's not syrupy sweet. So mm. yeah, and then obviously a little splash of soda just to make it a little bit less uh, thick. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, I usually encourage everybody that listens to this podcast, uh, since this time you don't have a name for that drink, if anybody out there goes out and tries it, let me know what you think. Email me, dude, at heybartenderpodcast.com. And if you think of a good name that would go along with that drink, let me know, and I'll let Olivia know. So, you know, uh, let's name the drink and then, you know, make everybody drink it. Absolutely. I'm, I'll even, I'll make a, a TikTok of it. If someone finds a name for it, I'll make a TikTok and add the name in there. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Uh, and we'll give you Olivia's information at the end of the show. So uh, you can also contact her. So, um, you know, let's start at the, at the beginning. Uh, now I'm not, I don't, uh, as like I tell all my guests, I don't go all the way back to birth, but uh, <laughs> let's talk about your life in the hospitality industry. Now, you said yep. you started out, started out as a server, and how long did you do that for? I believe it was about three or four years. Um, I moved to New York in 2017 to pursue dance. Um, so I grew up my whole life dancing, went to college for dance, and I moved here to do that. And I thought, what's the most uh, flexible job that I can have that I can make the most money? And, of course, serving came to mind. I was really nervous about it because my mom, she was a, a really bad server, um, when she was younger and, and we usually tend to take after each other. So I was nervous. I wasn't going to be good at it, but, um, I'm a really good multitasker and I love to, um, just talk with people. And so it kind of was like right away, I loved it. And it seemed like I was better at it than I thought I was going to be. Um, so yeah, I started off in like some really dingy dive bar that had just really good food, the mac and cheese and, and chicken tenders are amazing. But um, like batch drinks in these big, you know, whirlpool machines. And like, it was um, Christmas lights all year round. And there wasn't an inch of the restaurant that wasn't covered in some sort of like sports memorabilia. Like it was just, it was ratty. It was nasty, but I loved it. Um, and then I worked a couple other places for a few more years, a really great barbecue spot that's well known in New York. Um, and then eventually, you know, event spaces doing more um, event type work and bottle service and things like that. So um, yeah, never officially behind a bar, but always in bars, cocktail service, bottle service, um, serving uh, in general in specifically in bars. Um, And it made, you know, quite a bit of money. It was kind of always in the back of my head that I wanted something like more stable, you know, or whatever that means. And, um, of course, you want benefits, you want all these yeah. things as an adult. Um, but yeah, serving was kind of the, the best way to get into both of the, the career fields that I was kind of looking into. Um, and then, of course, like I said, in New York, everything is bars and restaurants. So it was really easy to find a job. What kind of dance were you doing? Uh, so I do like modern and contemporary. Um, the best way to explain it. Um, grew up my whole life doing like competition like jazz dance like kicks and turns and mm. if you've ever seen dance moms it's kind of similar to that <laughs> it's a really strict um regimented like dance um curriculum but then when I went to college I found this really expressive uh 
kind of inclusive for everybody type of dance. Um, and I, I really loved it and realized it was something I could make a career out of. And that type of dance was really popular in New York. And I always wanted to live here. So it just kind of was a no brainer to move here for dance after school. Yeah. I, I don't know much about dance. In fact, if I start <laughs> dancing, people start donating to find a cure, but uh, it, it's, it, you know, I just don't, I don't dance. Don't ask me to, but uh, my, uh, my niece is a uh, uh, dancer. She does ballet and contemporary. Awesome. And uh, I, I watched her do a tap thing to, uh, you can't stop the beat from hairspray. I think it was. Oh, of course, yeah. And, very, very popular dance song. <laughs> but I enjoy watching her dance. But some there was one of the things I don't know where what category it goes under. But she, uh, it it looked like a um, a gap video from the nineties. You know, uh, lots of <laughs> stretching and reaching and uh, I, you know, holding people up. I don't know. Sounds like modern, yeah. yeah. If it's a little weird and a little you can't describe it, it's probably modern dance. Yeah, uh, but you know, all the dancing, I leave that to my sister and my niece. You know, I'll you know, I'll pick up a guitar, sit at the piano, I'll sing a song. But if you want me, oh, you're musical. A little bit. Uh, well, I think I am, but you know, that that's a different story. But, <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, but uh, my whole family is musical, but. My sister and my dad are excellent piano players. I was always mediocre, but I played other other instruments just to keep my interest. But well, but my sister and my niece were both dancers, or my niece yeah. still. And my, I'm I'm impressed with my niece every time I see her because it seems like she's got the rhythm, and her yeah. fellow people in the uh, in the dance troupe they don't really have it. And you know yeah. And I used to play the drums, so rhythm is really important for me. If I see them, somebody off yeah. even by a microsecond, I get, nah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's hard at those recitals because some of those kids are, you know, not the most uh, graceful. So, yeah, it, it, it can be tough to watch hours and hours of that stuff. <laughs> I dragged my dad and brother to so many weekend-long competitions, and they were just like, oh, my God, this is awful. <laughs> Well, it was kind of when it's good, it's good. You like to watch it. She's good. Well, it's kind of cool because they did most of the competitions over zoom, uh, over the last couple of years because of the pandemic. And you know, it's, okay. I, I felt sorry for the kids cause they had to wear masks as they were dancing. And, but I was able to, instead of, you know, ha- having to go all the way out to Washington and sit in a room and wait for her for hours to get up on stage, right. my sister would say that she'll be on at four 30 beyond zoom. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> perfect oh that is really nice because a lot of my family couldn't travel or you know was all of, in different places that have been really nice to have been able to live stream it for them right but uh, anyway um, but yeah i don't want to dance in the mask <laughs> <laughs> i thought it would be hard, uh that was hard on the kids but they seem to be okay about it but uh, the kids have more stamina than i do nowadays so <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> But that's I, great though the cheese and dance I always um, it's really taught me dedication work ethic you know multitasking it taught me a lot of different things um, so I always recommend to people like put your kids in dance and, and keep them in it and it'll keep them out of trouble so that's great that she's doing it yeah now you did what I 
advise people all the time to do when they have a certain passion or they uh, they have something that's important to them in life, but they can't make money on it right away. I'll suggest to yeah. people become a server or become a bartender because the hours are flexible. You still get money, no benefits per se, but uh, right. but you still get paid and the hours are more flexible so you can pursue your passion. Uh, you uh, Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's why, like I said, I was really sitting there like I could work in retail hourly. I could be a barista, not that much, but it seemed very clear to me that this was the type of industry that, that supported artists and supported people with, you know, um, not typical schedules. And I was able to get a shift covered very easily if I needed to. I was able to let them know I have this show coming up and I need these days off. And um, it was obviously in the nighttime when a lot of auditions, a lot of rehearsals would be in the daytime. So it just naturally worked out, but it was, it was a good option. Um, and it allowed me to do what I really wanted to be doing um, while supporting myself at the same time and, and supporting myself pretty lucratively too. I mean, when I first started, even my first, you know, corporate job, I was making just about as much as I was making survey. Mm. Um, so it wasn't necessarily like, you know, I was a starving artist or anything like that. But um, yeah, with, you know, now being in a more of a corporate setting, it's much harder to keep up with my passion. I have to be, you know, more focused on, on uh, the nine to five. Are you still dancing? I am officially, as of a couple months ago, working on a new project, which is very exciting. Um, it's almost more of like a dance theater piece, so it's very outside of my um, my comfort zone. But I'm really excited to just be back in the studio and to you know be bringing it back into my life because um, for about two years, you know, since the beginning of the pandemic, I had not danced more than you know just a little bit in my living room or yoga class here and there, uh, but nothing like super physical. And uh, I really missed it. I was actually helping run and performing in a dance company that was really, really doing well. We were small and we were, you know, self-funded, but we uh, was very, very small donations, but we really were trying our best and to have lost that um, due to the pandemic. It was, it was really sad. So yes, I'm getting it back in myself and I'm really excited. Um, but not full time and that, you know, probably never going to happen. Very unsustainable. So when you first started, uh, as a server and you, you've got your passion Mm -hmm. for dance, but you, uh, realize like you got bills to pay too. When you first started as a server, were you worried at all that, you know, the constant walking back and forth in whatever shoes you decided to wear during that shift, were you worried about like sprained ankles or, you know, something that would possibly keep you from dancing? I really didn't. I don't think so much. I think I'm very, um, like I, I I love to be comfortable. I'm all about comfort. So I was very particular about like the shoes that I wore. And I, I think looking back, it almost, it just kept me more in shape. It kept me more aware of my body and, I think when you are a dancer, you just have that constant like awareness of where your body's at and do we feel good? Are we exhausted? But then also a unique ability to push past those points. So, you know, I'd be on a 14 hour double and my legs are falling apart, but I'm not exactly dying like the rest of these girls because, you know, I'm, I'm kind of used to dancing at a, a really physical, um, high energy, you know, pace for a while. So, I think it kind of helped me um, in a way, but I never was really concerned about injury. 
um, I just noticed now that I'm not dancing as much as I was and serving that I am just much less active. I was just always on my feet all the time, always walking, always doing. Um, and I like that. I'm not the type of person who likes to sit and, and chill. So um, I appreciated even after a long day of dancing, like being able to stay on my feet and be active um, around, you know, a massive restaurant. <laughs> now here's a, here's something that I never brought up before that some people actually probably need to know. You said you were particular yeah. about your shoes uh, in order to stay comfortable yeah. <laughs> and to yeah. not, and to, you know, not get any bad habits in your feet, probably uh, so you can yeah. still dance. What type of shoes were they? Well, I guess I kind of always loved Nikes, which is probably not even like a good thing to even say because they're probably not the most supportive shoe I could have even worn. Um, but I always wanted like a very athletic tennis shoe. And um, I never really worked anywhere where it was so nice or so fancy that I couldn't wear um, like a sports sneaker. So whatever the dress code was, I would try to keep that color. Um, but I remember one job in particular, we had to wear red high top Converse that was just like mm -hmm. at this restaurant that's what the girls wear. You never not wear them. And I would buy those gel inserts, foam inserts. I mean, anything I can. And it was concrete floors and like, it was just pain all the time. Mm -hmm. And you know, that might be one time where I was kind of like, this isn't good for my body. Like this isn't <laughs> a good thing. Um, the money there was so good. I don't think I even thought twice about it, but um, you know, I really tried to, to stay in like a really supportive sports shoe so that um, I had that support because there's nothing worse than being halfway through your shift and your feet crying. So yeah. I always tried to wear the most comfortable shoe as possible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> See for me uh, at first I wore regular tennis shoes, but then all of a sudden one day I, I'm a big fan of Chuck Taylor's. I, Get get me a pair of Converse yeah. Chuck Taylors, because uh, some people tell me it's because my feet are flat and they're more comfortable for me. But I yeah. tried wearing them for like a week uh, while I was bartending and ended up with my feet bottom of my feet completely blistered up, and I swore I'd never do that again. Oh. But the yeah. sh the shoes for me that ended up working well while I worked behind the bar were Doc Martens. After after. Oh. After the initial break-in period, you know, the first two weeks. The first two weeks suck. Hell. <laughs> <laughs> Truly hell. <laughs> but uh, eventually, they became the most comfortable shoes I ever wore. Yeah, and I agree. I do think Doc Martens are really comfy when you break them in. Was it also, like, the waterproofness that helped um, being back there? Uh, that's a possibility, too. Yeah, because uh, I spilled a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always wear mine in the rain because I'm like, if it's wet, got to wear the dock. Um, but, you know, those are a very comfortable shoe. I think maybe as a server, just because it's a longer distance walk, that might just be more heavy, more exhausting. But I've worked places where I've known service to wear those too, and um, they didn't complain. So, yeah. Well. Uh, now, uh, when you decided to be a server, your mother uh, sounded like she was kind of supportive, kind of, you know, but kind of warned you. Gave you a little bit of warning before going into it. Yeah. Uh, were you a little bit scared when you first, on your first day? Oh, for sure. I mean, I kind of lied on my resume anyway. I stretched the truth. Oh, I, I love these stories. I think later that my boss, <laughs> well, you know, I said, I, I said I'd worked in catering a few more years than I did in college. And <laughs> catering doesn't really equate to New York City bar service. So, um, 
he knew, he told me later down the line, I knew you were pretty green. Um, but I don't know. He just gave me a chance because I was just this young girl, like, give me a job, please. Um, so of course, yes, I was very nervous. And then, like I said, my mom and I are very similar. So when she said she struggled with, um, you know, the multitasking of it, I'm like, well, I'm a good multitasker, but maybe it really is harder than you think. And um, at first I was like religiously writing down like every single thing for every table, crossing it off, making sure I delivered it to the table. And um, eventually I guess I just got in such a flow where um, it was so easy for me to know, oh, they need this. And, you know, just all of that, that flow of service, I think it comes naturally to some people and it doesn't come naturally to others. But it really fed well into, like I said, my multitasking skills, um, being active, being up on my feet. I like to, like, check the boxes, get things done. And I felt like when you get the table done and then you're turned and you close up the check, like, that felt, like, complete to me. And, um, yeah, I just really enjoyed the flow of it. And then, of course, just the social aspect. I could talk all day, every day. And I absolutely just loved meeting people, just met some of the coolest people I never expected to meet just by being nice at their table. Now that was what I was going to ask uh, next because uh, obviously more than just the multitasking, you've got to be a people person. You got to be able to talk. You got to be uh, talk to these people. You have to be nice to people that don't necessarily deserve to be nice to. Yeah. Or sometimes you have to put up with people that are overly nice and uh, you know, different categories all over the place. Was there any a lot of different types of people? Yeah. <laughs> was there any culture shock with that in the beginning? Um, I mean, I think I've always just been like a very like accepting and like open person. And and growing up in Cleveland, like I did go to go to school in the suburbs. My dad lived much closer to the city, so I felt like I just kind of was more into like a fast paced you know, metropolis type of feel and, and moving to New York, I was like, okay, there's going to be like a ton of people at these restaurants. Like I know this and with that comes a lot of really weird people. Um, so yeah, I mean, there was a little bit of apprehension, but like, honestly, I think I have more good stories about the type of people that I've met than bad ones, but there's always those stories of crying in the bathroom of how evil people can really be mm-hmm. for no reason. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think it's just overwhelmingly like more surprised at how many cool people I met instead of like how many people treated me bad. Did you get a lot of regulars? <laughs> at the first couple places I worked. Yeah. Even still like friends with these guys on Facebook, like watch their kids grow up. Like, you know, yeah, very much. So um, I think some of the nicer places, not so much, but you know, those dive bars, like they have their diehard people. If we didn't have Budweiser for this guy who shot at like deep one, like he would just like burn the place down. Like we always <laughs> had to have Budweiser for him. Um, but you know, they're the good tippers and it was almost like, cause I was so young and I was so new in the city. Some of these guys would just kind of like they'd pick on me a little, but like in the right way. And they always wanted what was best for me. And they kind of, I feel like they tried to steer me in the right directions and, I had a shitty table. I'd just go over and be like, "These fucking asshole!" I'd just be so mad. I'd be swearing, and um, I'd be you know telling them off. And they're like, "Oh, you're the best. You're so beautiful. You can't do anything wrong." You know, they just gas you up. They make you feel so good. So <laughs> that was awesome. Um, loved having them. But um, yeah, kind of the later places as, as it went on, not so much. But I love those dive bars. Regular well, dive bars seem like to be the. I'm I mostly worked in mom and pop owned brick and mortar type of bars. And uh, yeah. that's where you get the really cool regulars. Yeah, I agree. 
and I, like you said, a couple of them follow me on uh, social media. And there's been a couple where I've gotten onto social media and I'm like, oh, too bad they're divorced. Or, holy crap, that uh, he, your, their kid is graduating high school now? The kid. I know. Was just, exactly. <laughs> but uh, I, I have to sit back and remember, I have bartended quite a few years ago. So. <laughs> yeah. And, and I feel like I am very young, but I'm kind of at the age where I'm, I'm seeing that stuff like happen. Like I see the young girls I used to teach dance to like in college. And I'm like, how does that make sense? <laughs> People I went to high school with having kids and I'm like, we're still teenagers. No, you're almost 30. <laughs> it's normal <laughs> to have kids now. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of the same thing. And, um, but it's cool. It's like, they're a little family that's, that's not your family. And it was nice, as I said, uh, being a new New Yorker and having that it was really fun. So yeah. I was grateful for that. Now, did you do anything special? No, well, how do I want to? No, not necessarily special. But how did you treat your regulars? I mean, we, uh, a lot of servers and bartenders, we go out of our way for our regulars because we appreciate them. We like them. That's the most important yeah. thing. Did you do anything for them or what? Did you have to go out of your way to earn their trust or uh, mm. any anything like that? Yeah, I think there's, certain people who are really particular. There was one guy who just like always ordered the same thing with a diet Coke and he wanted two slices of lemon. And, you know, if you don't do those two slices of lemon, he's going to let you know. But once he kind of earned his trust, he was the nicest guy ever and he tipped really well, but he was just kind of this particular older man. Um, and so, you know, there was people like that where I was like, yeah, I had to kind of earn my stripes, but then there were other people, um, you know, where it was just kind of right off the bat, they just, they, they were, couple girls coming in for lunch all the time loved our happy hour and no matter what they were like so down to like gossip and have fun and I think you just vibe with certain people and maybe not others um but yeah some we hit off right right off the bat some we did not um but I think what was really important for me was number one remembering what they order I mean I think at this point like I don't need to ask um Mm. just say kind of the usual and and usually the answer was yes and remembering that remembering those small things like you know to me it's like oh two lemons okay but to him that's how he enjoys his meal so um remembering that and trying to kind of provide that um it makes me happy I like to please people and to give them what they want so another reason why serving just I think worked really well for me is I was completely fine taking two extra seconds to grab the extra lemon um if it meant you know this guy enjoying his lunch so yeah I enjoyed those parts of it uh, oh, that all of a sudden reminded me there's a, a customer of mine, uh, she'd come in and insist on uh, rum and Diet Coke with uh, no less than two lemons. And, you know, and <laughs> no she, less. and I, so I said, no less, huh? After, after I got to know her for a long time and every time she'd come in and I'd say, Hey, how you doing? And she'd always give me the same order. She'd repeat the order every time she did after. Yeah. A couple of weeks, she didn't have to tell me anymore, but she it was maybe OCD or something. Anyway. She would tell me, <laughs> and then she said, one day she said, no less than two lemons. Okay, no less than two lemons. So I rimmed the whole thing with lemons. <laughs> and uh, she thought that was funny at first. <laughs> yeah, one time. <laughs> and then another time she, uh, she said no less than two lemons. So I actually took two lemons, two whole lemons, cut a slit cool. in it, and put them on the put both of them on the rims of the glass, and uh, that that was funny at first. <laughs> Hilarious! But uh, like, all right, that's it with the lemons. 
no more. <laughs> but it, it was just me being goofy, you know, uh, that most people expected me to be a kind of a smart ass behind the bar. And some people appreciated it. Some people not really, but yeah. Would you say that your personality while you were serving, uh, was well, well, let's rephrase that. What was your personality on the floor? I think like <laughs> kind of same as I just am in, in regular life. I don't think I could have been more bubbly and more like, let's have a good time. Mm-hmm. Like I was just like getting to work, where are my tables? Let me say hi to them. It was rare. I'd have to be really in the weeds to even like drop my um, performative happiness <laughs> uh, because it's not really so performative because I did enjoy doing it. Yes, I was stressed. And yes, I was tired. But like, I'm just not the kind of person to like, like walk around the restaurant all night being like sour because everyone's like, your people don't like you. Your coworkers don't like you. Like, you're not going to make as much money. Um, I think that was definitely my demeanor, just always as positive as I can be. Um, but when I was in the weeds, it was just like the bare necessities. Right. <laughs> now, did you do any, uh, ever do anything since you, you have, uh, performance arts in your blood, basically? Uh, like there right. was, uh, there was times where people knew I was ready. Always. I'd always came, come to work with jokes in my head. Or karaoke mm. nights, they knew they could get me out from behind the bar, sing one song, one song only, because that's all I had time for. <laughs> uh, and that's what got me known to the customers, because, it, oh, it's the singing bartender, or uh, listen to this joke yeah. this guy told me, or, you know, that that sort of thing. Now, you have the performance bug in you. Did you ever, yeah. did you ever use that just for fun on a slow night, or even... I think there'd be times I'm just like doing a little dance. Like, yeah, some of the tables might like come over and join me or they'd laugh. And I think, yeah, I'm kind of always dancing and, and moving and, and it's a joke with my friends, but apparently I just, for whatever reason, have this talent for knowing lyrics to songs. So I would mm. always be like singing along the songs and I'm not a singer. So like, it was just for fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I would kind of always be in that like dancey performing mode and, and people would join in. Um, but I think even more so what they noticed was like, um, kind of that, like, you know, we say this in the industry, too, that it is like, you know, you're out on a stage, because you would go backstage, quote, and it would be back in the kitchen, and I'd be like, you know, MFing this table and this bartender <laughs> and this thing. I really let it out. I'm a complainer. I will do the work, but I'm going to complain about it, too. So um, <laughs> so I would go in the back and, you know, vent and let that out to the kitchen staff and whatever, and, and then i go right back out. I'm like myself. So I think that was more so what they picked up on. Um, but yeah, I was always around dancing, singing, but never to the extent of like those um, Broadway bars. Like a full stuff. performance. Really cool. <laughs> yeah. That would be really cool. But I'm like, how do these girls serve all these plates? I mean, I've seen the TikToks where they're just like doing so much and they're also singing and dancing. I'm like, that's too much. <laughs> <laughs> I could never, but um, yeah, no, not to that level, but definitely having a good time. Uh, uh, now the way you described that everybody, all bartenders, servers, anybody that's worked in the restaurant industry, we go into the walk-in, we go over to the dishwasher yep. area and we, yep. you know, scream, God damn it. Mutton. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the movie waiting always, I, I make references to yeah. that movie constantly on this show. And yeah. that one girl who, uh, you know, she's out with the customer's big smile and be real friendly. But as soon as she turns that corner, you know, it's just, it's, 
it's a whole other thing. <laughs> and it's true. We need to have that space where we can be ourselves, where we all know, okay, she's going through it. Let her have her moment, get it out. Uh, but then turn around and, you know, go do the thing you got to do. Um, but it, we need to have it. We need that walk-in to, mm. to let it out because it's not easy. It is not easy. It's fun, but there are those moments that it kind of beats you down so i love that camaraderie back in the kitchen <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, there was there's been some bars that i've walked into and uh you know i just me knowing the industry and stuff like that uh if a keg blows and uh mm. i i'll see them kind of take a deep breath and say be right back and then i hear uh and then i can practically sit there go three two one then wham and, you know, judging by how hard they threw the keg uh, onto the line or something like that is yeah. how pissed off a mood they are in right at that yeah. point. <laughs> They're taking it all out of that poor keg. Yeah. And, it's, and I'll, then I sit there and look at it and go, well, I hope whoever likes Hefeweizen likes foam for the next day or two. You know? <laughs> but you can sympathize with that. You're like, I know where at mentally right now yeah i feel that well there was even one time where i w walked into my day off i just came in there to visit my co-worker and because she, she and i were really good friends and i saw that mm -hmm. she had plastic cups on three of the 15 taps and i said what's with all that and she's like oh those kegs blew and i said i'll be right back and i i went into the walk-in and um, changed them out for her and about and just because you know the camaraderie like you were saying you know, uh i wasn't supposed to be working yeah. I wasn't on the clock, but you know what? Yeah, I'll I'll go change a keg real quick. <laughs> Absolutely, if it means getting twelve of these lines cleared up. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> Wild Roots Peach Vodka is handcrafted in the Pacific Northwest using only natural ingredients. Over a pound of ripe peaches go into each bottle, creating a spirit that represents the essence of biting into a juicy peach. Excellent for use in cocktails or wine spritzers. The soil in the region is rich and full of moisture. The clean and clear water and climate allow the peaches to grow and reach a ripe, balanced, and flavorful flavor. Wild Roots uses the best ingredients in the region and creates a one-of-a-kind tasting spirits. Each bottle of Wild Roots uses six times filtered corn-based vodka infused over a pound of natural Northwest-grown peaches. To intensify the flavor, Wild Roots chooses fruits that are not only flavorful, but have a great background. If you want to try Wild Roots Peach Vodka, I suggest you head over to cwspirits.com and check it out there. Hey, Father's Day is coming up too. You might as well start thinking about that. They got a lot of great packages there. Visit cwspirits.com and remember to use coupon code HEYBARTENDER5 at checkout for 5% off your entire order. Hey, bartender. You said you've moved on to marketing. Uh, ever since the pandemic now yeah. did working with the general public as a server help you uh, build up confidence to work in marketing? Gosh, absolutely. Like, I don't think I could be as successful at marketing as I am if it hadn't been for working in the service industry. Of course, dance, like I said, gave me a lot of that um, dedication, hard work, like discipline. And confidence, but I'm sure too. Serving yeah, for sure. For sure. I've been used to like, you know, being loved, being the center of attention since a very young age that that definitely um, that gave me some confidence for sure. But also, um, yeah, the, the 
not only the, the multitasking being, I mean, when, when, when I'm having a busy day at work and I have a lot of clients and I'm managing a lot, I just think back to like being in the weeds on the floor. And like, all I would tell myself is like, you have X amount of things you need to get done. Just keep going, just keep working through the list. And now it's the same way I could have up to, you know, 20 something clients at one time needing the same thing for me, just got to prioritize and work through the list. Um, and I think all of that uh, combined really helps. But the biggest thing is sort of what we already talked about was the people skills, um, learning that for something absolutely out of your control, say the kitchen messed something up, you're going to be blamed and you need to find a way to respectfully and kindly handle the situation and potentially save this customer from coming back. Same thing in marketing. If something goes wrong, might not be my fault, but if it's on me, to, you know, correct the mistake and keep that partnership as successful as possible and moving forward and growing, um, it's the same thing. And there have been so many times in this job where I'm like, why would they ever speak to me like that? Like, I don't talk to people that way. Um, but I had more than enough practice with politely diffusing the situation and, you know, keeping that smile on. Um, it's absolutely helped me. And I think um, everyone should work in the service industry. I think we all think that, but not only to understand what it is that they're going through, but it, it taught me a lot for a, you know a desk job more than I expected. Well, yeah, that's something I bring up on this show constantly. I, in fact, I think I even proposed that it be a college course, you know, for yeah. like four to six hours in during your one of your years in college, you have to work in hospitality somewhere, you know, yeah. whether it's, uh, ticket booth or server, bartender, dishwasher, whatever. It's just so you yeah. can learn, you know, what's like in the trenches instead of, uh, you know, you'll, well, find, find out things like uh, there's a reason why your ranch didn't show up when you wanted it. Or, right. You know, the entitlement. Yeah. There's a lot of entitlement from people who've never been in the industry, like thinking things should come so quick or that they should be the center of the restaurant's attention. It's like, there's a 14 top next to us. Of course our drinks haven't landed yet. Like give the guy a minute, you know? Mm -hmm. And I recognize that I can see everything going around, uh, going on around the restaurant. I tell my friends, Hey, it looks like the server is like super weeded. I see him stressing out over there and over there, you know, I'm kind of like observing and noticing like this is what's going on. Whereas friends of mine who have never been in the industry, they're just completely oblivious. Like where is our server? You don't think that they're, running around like a chicken with their head cut off right now. Like they're not just standing at the bar doing nothing. Um, so yeah, I think people have a lot of entitlement. It just helps with empathy in general, knowing like, God, that server looks stressed. I'm going to not stress them out further. Mm. Um, but some people just don't, they don't get that behavior. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've talked to friends of mine that uh, were in the service industry with me. One of them told me that they went on a date with a guy and she said that the guy completely uh, just beat the verbally beat the crap out of her, his waitress. And she, uh, she basically laid it out to him and said, you do that to me one more time and I'm out of here. You will never see me yeah. again. And because, absolutely a deal breaker. And you know, she had to explain to him, is she the one that made the food? Is she the, you know, you know, how many other tables does she have? You know, he was trying to act all high and mighty when he was acting high and mighty, to a server in front of a server, you know? Right. 
Right. Huge mistake. And we will check. And I, I've checked my friends. I've checked my family. I'm like, you guys, there have been many times where I'm like, all right, the service here is pretty rough. But, you know, again, I'm even thinking, like, maybe they're new. Maybe there's not enough people on the floor. Like, I'm always <clears throat> justifying in some way because I just refuse to believe that a good server is just, you know, doing whatever the heck they want to do and, like, purposefully giving me bad service. Yeah. Very rare. Even the quote bad servers that I've known, they don't have bad intentions. They're just not the best multitaskers, and they're not as good at, at you know this job. But they never have the intention of like ruining your dinner experience, which I feel like is how people act. And probably um, some of the servers are hungry too, because you know it's kind of tough to get time to sit down and eat. Mostly, all you do is you know maybe walk by the. Uh, walk by the cook station, grab a couple pickles or a couple French, French fries. fries. Yeah. <laughs> you get what you can or a garnish or something. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, some of them might have low blood sugar at that point in time or, you know, but <laughs> you know, the customers oftentimes just don't understand uh, what all is possible that could be going on. And, yeah. uh, you know, like I said, like you and I just talked about, you know, make it a college course, you know, go work in hospitality a couple yeah. hours a day for a semester and you'll start to understand, oh, okay, this is what it's like when you don't have enough people working for you. So the importance is keeping fully staffed uh, and, right. you know, you learn a ton of things. And when it comes to working with the public, I try to convey to a lot of people, uh, bartenders, servers that are wondering you know, some, there are bartenders and servers out there that love their job. They couldn't picture themselves doing anything else. Awesome for them. Love yeah. them. But there yeah. are bartenders and servers out there sitting back thinking, you know, I should really maybe should get something with benefits. I Maybe I, sh you know, maybe I should move on. And the things that the skills that they, a lot of bartenders and servers don't realize that they have are translatable into other things. For example, you and marketing. Yeah. And yeah, I have a, a roommate also who just went into education and, you know, he, that is a completely different field than even what I'm in. And I'm seeing him apply the same things as well. I think it's any job that you want to go into. And, and I don't like to say similar to how you said, I, I don't like to say that, you know, serving or bartending is always a stepping stone job. If it's not for many people, it is a lifelong career and it sustains them in the way that they need. Um, but even if it is your stepping stone at there, yes, I think any type of job, um, the skills can be applied to. Oh, absolutely. Especially just the customer service alone uh, that could yeah. get you anywhere. And, yep. but, uh, you know, some people don't, uh, have this little bit of problem also with not being able to trust bartenders or servers because they, for some reason, I don't know how it got out there. Uh, honestly, there, I'm sure there's a history book on it somewhere where, People think that uh, servers and bartenders are out to steal your money or screw you over one way or another, and and uh, it's not all like waiting. If you uh, if you treat us like crap, we're not going to let the cooking staff have their way with your food. No, that... <laughs> no, yeah, no way. But you know, it treat me with. I will treat you with the same respect that I am treated with. Absolutely. Um, I'm always maybe just even a little step higher because I like to keep that. Um, professionalism and kindness always intact but yeah I'm never gonna ever do anything nasty with your food but I'm also just not gonna go above and beyond to be nice either and yeah people um think that that's 
people um, picking on them, but it's not. Yeah. <laughs> Just treat me with respect. And no, I mean, I, I wouldn't even think of like, Eli, I wouldn't even know how to begin to like steal from somebody. You provide me the tip that you feel is necessary. Mm. Um, you know, I'd never change a check. I'd never swipe a card twice. I'd never do anything shady. So, you know, you provide me the tip that you feel is necessary and, and that's all we have to really go on. Right. And, um, not greedy. We're, we, we do chase the bag. We, we do chase the bag. We love money, but that's because it isn't consistent. And if you had a consistent, you know, paycheck, then maybe we wouldn't need to, um, you know, go so hard on like a Friday, Saturday night to really make up for those slower nights. It isn't consistent. So we're very money focused and, you know, eyes on the prize. <laughs> right. I mean, I've had some uh, proverbial Karen customers that I, you know, I wouldn't steal anything from them. I wouldn't uh, treat, I do my best to keep a straight face, even though I want to clock them as hard as I can. (laughs) But, uh, you know, it doesn't mean that I don't wish something bad would happen to them as soon as they left my bar, but, (laughs) but I do my best to, you know, still try to uh, be nice, but is there, there is a line that I, I would approach and it's like, okay, I've had enough of you. You're either finish your, finish your drink and be nice or get out. And, you know, I've had customers make my, uh, make my servers cry and then they won't come out of the office and, uh, you know, just that entitlement you talked about. Yeah. And I think, you know, maybe, maybe this is relevant, maybe it's not, but I think maybe as a man, you kind of have a little bit more of that, um, that power to to say like, no, you're done. I'm going to cut you off. And I know a lot of badass female bartenders do the same thing, but, a lot of times for me as a server, it was relying on my manager. And a lot of times, you know, these, these male managers in this city, they know what type of stuff girls are up against and they had zero tolerance. So I had a guy one time that slightly raised his voice to me and he like raised his arm to like, you know, kind of point yell at me. And my manager saw that grabbed him and just dragged him out. He was like, no way you're not going to like get in my girl's face like Mm. absolutely not and I was very happy for that because like you know I'm just like a young girl like oh my god this man is like accosting me um but it wasn't often where I felt like in my in the position that I was in that I could like be that direct with a a customer um I think bartenders a lot more have that like uh, you know control like I'm cutting you off or you know this is where service ends um whereas maybe as a server I had to kind of get the the manager involved more, but there's absolutely a line. And even today I have a hard time, you know, finding that line. Like, okay, did this customer, is this client really being disrespectful or am I being sensitive and trying to gauge that? Like, you know what, these are my boundaries and Mm. I will do the work you're asking when you remember how to speak to me. And, um, yeah, getting that confidence was telling men. And it's funny because you keep saying Karen. So, it's yeah, probably it, typically the opposite sex <laughs> yeah, um, telling them off in a bar and telling them to get out of my face. You know, I, I had to stick up for myself. I believe in equal opportunity. So we can uh, bash both men and fee- uh, men and women <laughs> at the restaurant. I'm very equal opportunist. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> They're both awful in their own way. Both awful. Well, I had a uh, had one customer one time. He decided it was okay to slap one of my servers on the butt as they were walking by. And oh, no. I, I walked over there and threatened to break his arm, 
But he was like, Absolutely. hey, man, come on. It's a bar. What are you going to do? Things like this happen. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that happens again. You're going to find somewhere else to drink. And Absolutely. Uh, really, I probably should have tossed his ass out right then and there. But it was one of those parts where his good friends, we all hated him, but his yeah. we <laughs> all liked his friends. And mm-hmm. uh, it finally came down to the point where we told his friends, if you want to keep coming into our bar, he stays home. And they were like, wow. okay, no problem. And there was another time where another guy tried to do the same, the same thing. Thought it was okay mm-hmm. to slap the waitress on the bar. But I remember uh, my coworker coming out behind the bar. She, she saw it happen. And even I went, oh, God, no. <laughs> and uh, and about the <laughs> yeah, she, she walked over to that bar and this guy got these huge eyes as if he was, you know, in this big neon sign above his head that's basically said, I just fucked up. <laughs> yeah, uh, he knew. Yeah, and he apologized up, down, and sideways to the girl that he uh, decided to slap on the uh, slap on the behind. And I was just, mm-hmm. I was just like, wow, because there, there's a lot of times where I actually do believe that uh, females can diffuse a fight in a bar faster than a man can. Because there have been a couple times yeah. where I fought, uh, where I got in the middle of two guys fighting, and all of a sudden I didn't feel like I was the guy that was separating the fight. I felt like I was a contender, and I was like, okay, okay mm, now yeah. all of a sudden you get wrapped up in it now. Yeah, yeah. Not that I ever, you know, I maybe got pushed or uh, slapped once or twice, but I I never threw a punch or anything like that. But uh, mm-hmm. but when my uh, coworker Shannon, she went out to break out break up a fight. It was just like parting of the Red Sea. Everybody, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> no one wants to hit the woman. So, like, when she comes up, separate. <laughs> <laughs> well, she was well-respected in that town and well-known. So, everybody yeah. is like, oh, oh, we're in trouble now. <laughs> and Yeah. It, it's And I think we hold that respect and we deserve that respect. And I think, you know, women, especially women bartenders and servers, have just gotten to a point where, um, we can stand up for ourselves and we, you know, she has that respect as, um, I don't want to piss her off and I just need to behave. And it's kind of crazy that we have to like teach the grown people how to behave in public. But, um, sometimes there is a part of that. And yeah, I've seen, you know, I've seen girls like shut guys down so quick, but I do think that, you know, as a female, there is a little bit of, of that fear and of that, that power structure of when a man has had too much to drink and there's that one guy that's a little bit um a little bit too handsy or pushy or whatever it happens to be and um you know I've, I've been afraid of those things maybe someone waiting after work like that's you know kind of you watch enough svu i think you worry about those things but um never so much that i'm like afraid to go to my job because you know there's always um, the regulars, the managers, there's people around that are, you know, really there to advocate for our safety. But um, I'm sure that even, you know, 10, 20 years ago, probably pretty scary. And, and you know, women had to put their foot down and, and demand that respect because how else are you going to get out of that situation? Yeah, unfortunately, I didn't understand that at first because uh, my first bartending job was in 1999, I believe. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, 98. And the, I, with that girl that I was uh, talking, just talking about where she was well-loved and respected throughout the town. And yeah. I didn't understand what was going on. So all I knew was bar fight. She was about to head out into mm-hmm. the, at out into the fight. I grabbed her by the shoulders, tossed her off to the side. And then I started splitting everybody up. 
the bouncers eventually made it over and started grabbing people and taking them out the door. And I uh, got back behind the bar bar, and I was, you know, kind of breathing, you know, a little scared, honestly. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I turned and looked at her and said, what the hell do you think you're doing? Jumping out in the middle of the fight. You got kids to go home to, you know? Yeah. And, and she just laughed She's at like, me. I'm fine. <laughs> but, <Not this. laughs> but I think that was just, you know, the masculine side of me thinking I, I should stop this fight. <laughs> yes. I'm going to protect her. She's like, boy, I got this. <laughs> I will break up this fight so much quicker. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that's, that's, you know, it's a, it's a reality of the situation and um, you just got to hope that there's guys like that or the bouncers or whatever that are going to support you. Um, I know the places I worked, um, there wasn't really a rule, but it was just suggested that the girls, if there's ever an altercation that the girls just grab one of the bouncers. Um, and I think that was mostly just a liability thing, but also that, you know, none of us young girls want to like get caught up in a, you know, a, a fist flying and it, it hits you or, a bottle, God forbid, or anything like that. So, you know, we were kind of trained to stay out of it, but um, there's times when you can't. And and maybe not so violent, but, you know, when people are just being mean to me and I, I feel attacked verbally instead of physically and um, just having to, like, maintain that composure and not cry in front of them and not, you know, let that get the best of you. It was really tough, but it taught me a lot because now I can be you know, screamed at by a, or sternly spoken to by a group of, you know, C-level employees asking, where are my results? Where are my results? And, and not cry, break down, because yeah. I'm used to being asked, where are my mozzarella sticks? Like, it's the end of the world. So, um, yeah, it's, it's still, again, like, the whole theme is, is helping, and it helps, um, it helped me prepare and grow and learn. Yeah, the only other time I did that was, uh, I sensed a dis, uh, disturbance in the force. Sorry about the Star Wars reference. Uh, two guys at a, uh, at the pool table, they were starting to, uh, uh, you know, starting to butt heads a little bit. They, the fight hadn't broken yeah. out yet, but I could smell something in the air. I turned to my yeah. server and I said, if something happens, because she was uh, six months pregnant at that time. And I, oh. I turned and looked at her and I said, if something happens, you stay behind the bar. Do not go anywhere. And, yeah. you know, stop serving your tables, just come behind the bar. And, yeah. uh, eventually, yeah, the fists started getting thrown, but luckily those guys knew who I was and I got the, Oh, I just fucked up. Look, I, <laughs> but, um, uh, when I separated them, but, uh, yeah, I, I was always very protective of my coworkers. So, um, yeah, they're like family, right? I mean, sure. like we go to work together every day. We see what each other goes through. I don't want to be treated like that, so I'm certainly not going to let someone else be treated like that. Um, and male, female, whatever it was, like we all had each other's backs. And if it doesn't work as a team, it doesn't work at all. Um, so I think that we all we all know how to work, you know, in in, in a team because of that. Yeah. Now, um, moving on, you were you were working as a server up until the pandemic started. Uh, did you, yeah. ha- since you were working in New York, did you have to go through the whole bit where everybody was eating, they moved all their tables outside or? Um, so no, cause I actually never got called back to serve. Uh. I never got called back to my job and, um, for so long, you know, unemployment was so lucrative. I was making more <laughs> on unemployment than I was, um, doing anything. So I kind of rode that out, but it was just about at the point where they 
kind of, you know, took away that, that additional money that was really survivable. Um, what I was going to be left with on unemployment was very much not survivable, especially in um, New York. So, no, I never did get called back, and I never really um, applied again. Um, as soon as we got to that, like, okay, I'm out of money, like, it's done point, I miraculously got the call from uh, my boss to offer me this this job in um, marketing remotely. Um, and it worked out really well for me. And I've been doing that, you know, for two years. So I got very, very lucky. The timing couldn't have been better. Uh, but no, none of the outside stuff. But even still, you'll go down streets in New York, and it's not as common, but um, a lot of places still have set up their outdoor seating. And it's, you know, very fancy. It's like, some places will just be like a cardboard, um, sorry, cardboard, a wooden, you know, structure kind of set up with some little tables and seats spread out. But some are like booths inside of like heated cubicles in these, you know, outdoor uh, satellite restaurants, basically. And, and I think that that's cool because summer and winter, because a lot of them are covered and heated, they've expanded their, um, their entire restaurant. They now have 10 more tables. You can have a whole other server. Um, turning those tables and it's cool to see that they've kind of kept the pandemic way um, post pandemic or I guess whatever the ending stages that we're in now um, and then the to-go drinks as well it's illegal in New York to have to-go drinks let's say so post quarantine <laughs> uh, post quarantine yeah, yeah. That's, I'm like post pandemic is not the word yeah um, yeah I, I talked to a number of bartenders in the New York area that uh, told me about that their restaurant moved the tables out into the parking spaces in front of their restaurants. Yeah. And I thought, Oh, that's clever. Cause nobody's using them right now. Nobody's moving around, but right. Exactly. Uh, There's no cars. And, um, in New York, it was hard because you have one set up and you've kind of taken up a whole lane of the street. And then of course parking. And then if there's two restaurants on opposing ends, you've taken up the whole street now, all that there is to drive and park, um, with these little, satellite restaurant set up so um for a long time in the beginning entire streets in new york would just be shut down for these restaurants to have their outdoor spaces and it was really cool and it was fun and because you could walk around with alcohol it was kind of like certain populated areas would almost be like a street fair you just walk around and you pick up different things and um it was really fun and it was cool but now i i just like the way they've adapted and they've kind of kept some of those things um now, now, something that I I had trouble with now that you've you've made the transition from working full time server to yeah well to unemployment to doing some marketing work. Yeah. Did you have trouble yeah. with that transition? Because I remember having trouble when I stopped bartending and serving. All of a sudden, I there was one week where all of a sudden I stopped and went, I don't have money every night. I don't have a hundred dollars in tips in my pocket at all times. Uh, did you ha- have any trouble with that transition? Yeah. I think the reason the transition worked and made sense was because it was forced, you know, it wasn't like, Oh, I got this cool job opportunity. I'm going to decide to give up serving and go into this new field. It was like, you have no job and you aren't getting one (laughs) and we don't want to hire you back. So good luck. And then I, I was in such a period of, of course, unemployment is very stressful. And yes, while there was a period while it was lucrative, there were months that I went without, you know, New York, New York state was an absolute nightmare to get your money. And I went months without getting it, that I kind of got used to being in this very like broke state. And then all of a sudden got this job and, and 
I was actually kind of excited about having the consistent money. Yeah, no, there's not like a hundred bucks cash in my pocket every night, but at least I know every week I'm going to get that paycheck instead of like stressing to get those shifts and to get that, um, to, to make sure that every night is lucrative enough that I make the same amount every week. Um, it kind of excited me more so, um, to, to have that, that consistency. It's what I was looking for and it was what I wanted. Um, so I think that it was a much easier transition for me, but again, I think that the real thing that kind of made it easier was that there just was no choice. Mm. Oh, that's uh, that's good because I went into panic mode for a little while because yeah, I was I was still spending money like I was you know I'll just make that money back tonight when I go to work and right like oh wait this, these no, people don't yeah <laughs> yeah I gotta wait for these people to pay me they don't pay me as I walk out the door anymore but uh, yeah. you know it takes a little getting used to but dealing yeah and then like I said being more sedentary like I like being active I like being on my feet I like being around people now I sit at this computer on my butt every day nine to five you know I by myself I work from home like I go talk to my roommates but like it's just all me all the time all my coworkers are virtual so I think it's more so that social aspect I don't go into the city every day like I used to like I you know I'm all the way out in Brooklyn by myself in my house like it's just my lifestyle itself has changed so much from being outside of um, hospitality. I think less so financially, but more so um, just the actual like day to day of my life and my social life is just completely different. Yeah. Now, do you now during Zoom calls? Do you uh, do your do you like turn off the camera and do like stretches or something like that every once in a while? Just well, it's funny because. I've gotten really lucky, and I think there's only about a handful, maybe two handfuls, and I'm probably not going to believe this, I probably shouldn't even say this, of <laughs> calls where I've actually had my camera on. I've gotten, uh, it's just the culture where I work to have the camera on, so we're very we're very off camera. Um, so yeah, getting up, stretching, um, petting my cat, like my cat will be sitting on the bed behind me, and I just have to go give her a snuggle, like clear my brain. Um, it's nice. I can kind of take lunch whenever I want. If I'm hungry, I don't have to wait six hours till my table's clear. I can just grab a bite. Um, but you know, I don't leave the house and I don't see my friends every day. And there's no reason to get that bar, that, that drink after work at the bar next door. And, um, a lot of those parts are missing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. The social aspect of it, uh, the, yeah. or the, uh, decompression, uh, of, of after yeah. the job. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, now I just, like, I don't know, I decompress, like, Netflix. Like, I'll make myself a drink, but I won't go out with friends for that drink. And, um, you know, that little stuff was, was kind of what made it all worth it, I feel like. Mm. Well, anyway, we're coming up on last call right now. Uh, thank you so much, Olivia, for being on the show. You were awesome to talk to. Um, I was sorry to see you thank go from you. CW Spirits, but uh, – uh, Forgot, I forgot to mention to the listeners that you were uh, one of the key people to talk to when it came to uh, use, or being an affiliate for C- CW Spirits. I'm sorry to see you go, but uh, you're yeah, on moving on to you. bigger and better things, so good luck to you. Thank you. Yes, and um, you know I still hold a, a really dear place in my heart for the CW Spirits affiliate team. Um, I did help build it from the ground up, and I'm very proud of the success that it's had um, to this point, I'm sad that I won't be a part of it, but if anyone listening is interested in being an affiliate, reach out and do it. Um, and 
you could, you know, save a little money, make a little money. And it's just a really fun, like close knit group. And, um, I'm not leaving the chat, the bar talk chat. So we'll still be friends and I'll still be around. And, um, you guys, um, can always reach out to me for anything. If, if you have questions, I'm, I'm, I'm always here. I'm still a part of the bar talk fam. That's awesome. So if people do want to uh, follow you on Instagram or get a hold of you in one way or another, how would they do that? Do, do you have a TikTok channel, Instagram? Yeah. So my TikTok, which doesn't have a lot of videos because I learned very quickly that I'm much better at managing social media than um, creating it. Uh, <laughs> but you could follow me at extra olives with two S's on TikTok. And then my Instagram, if you want to follow, I don't post a lot of bar stuff, but I'll welcome the followers is at Olivia underscore Rachel. And that's Rachel spelled A-E-L. Um, so yeah, if you guys want to give me a follow, reach out to me and have any questions about CW spirits or how it works, I can help you out or refer you to the, the right people. And plus I just like a few more followers on TikTok. So thank you. <laughs> Very cool. You know, you, you say you don't make content for TikTok, but you're a dancer. Couldn't you come up with some <laughs> new trend or <laughs> Every one of my coworkers is like, why are you just a famous TikTok dancer? I'm like, I would make a lot more money. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, maybe. And then I could start getting a lot of free shit sent to my house, too. So yeah. maybe you'll see me making a little uh, Doja Cat dance or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, anyway, thank you so much for being on the show. And I hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you. Very much appreciate it. And that's last call, people. Last call for alcohol. Remember to follow Hey Bartender Podcast. Share, like, and subscribe. We're also available on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. All of those are at Hey Bartender Podcast. Don't forget to visit the www.heybartenderpodcast.com and check out some of the Hey Bartender Podcast swag I got there. And remember, if you want to be a part of Hey Bartender Podcast, all you have to do is is message me, DM me on one of the social medias, or email me dude at heybartenderpodcast.com. Big thanks to Olivia Cancelli for being on the show. Remember, people, you can go check her out. She gave you all of her social media information. Uh, huge thanks, as always, to Laura Hope and the Arctones uh, for giving me the title song, Dr. Bartender. Uh, remember, go check out their music. They're always available on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you download your music. Also, Father's Day is coming up, and if your father is a collector of spirits, wine, that sort of thing, head over to cwspirits.com. You might find something unique that he's never seen before, and remember, use coupon code HEYBARTENDER5 at checkout and get 5% off your entire order. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, as usual, I wish you all lots of love, lots of sex, lots of happiness, and remember, don't take any shit from anyone. Good night. What do you mean it's last go? I just got here!